What's going on? Welcome back to the Cox Talks Podcast. Your host, as always, Trevor Cox, here with you live. Yeah, we're back. Um, yeah, got a guest today. Got a got a guest today uh, coming on. Tyler Morrison, comedian extraordinaire from uh, the greater Bracebridge area here in Ontario. For those of you that don't know where Bracebridge is, if you've heard of the Muskokas, you've heard of Bracebridge. Bracebridge is in the Muskokas. Beautiful little town. Great guy to talk to. Uh, We're going to get to him in a little bit. First of all, as always, welcome back to the show. As always, thanks for listening. You guys are great. I love doing these. I know I haven't been on top of them lately. Getting a little, um, what do you call it? Lazy. Getting a little lazy. When I first started this podcast, you could bank on like every other Monday there was a new episode coming out. And I've been trying to keep that going. And I apologize. I've got off that schedule. But... You know, to be honest, um, and I want to hear your feedback on this, please, people. Um, I'm I still enjoy doing the podcast, but I'm finding it harder and harder to motivate myself to actually sit down and do a podcast. I kind of feel like it's lost its luster a little bit. I feel like people have lost interest in the podcast a little bit. So I want your feedback. Do you want me to keep going? Do you want to still hear me uh, come on the microphone here and vent about pointless shit that really has makes no difference in our lives, but maybe it's the shit that you need to hear, but nobody is, is ballsy enough to say it? You know, do you want to hear me vent? Do you want to hear me whine and piss and moan and complain? I'm interested to hear the feedback. Or are you done with the podcast? And you know what? If you're done with the podcast, I understand because I'm the one that's gotten off schedule here. Um, I'm the one that kind of threw a fucking curveball everywhere. But um, I, when I first did this podcast, when I first started it, I said, as the minute people start losing interest, that's when I'm just going to quit. So. You know, hand up if you're losing interest. Hand up if you think I should just shut her down and fucking move on. Hands up if you're okay with my sporadic episode drops. Uh, You just look forward to hearing them and listening to them. Um, I know I got some dedicated listeners out there, and I thank you. I love you all, but uh, I just want some feedback. I want some feedback on where you think the podcast has gone, where you think it's going. Um I mean, come at me with anything. What you think I could do better? Fucking don't come at me and be like, oh, yeah, you should get me on your podcast because I fucking snorted coke off a of fucking hooker's ass cheeks once. You fucking like downtown Kelowna. It was awesome, eh? Yeah, well, you're not the only guy that's ever fucking snorted coke off a of hooker's ass cheeks. I mean, I never have, but I know guys that have, so... I mean, we'll just, and I don't have them on the podcast, so we'll just leave it there. But yeah, come at me with how you feel about the podcast, what you'd like to see, what you'd like to hear, or if, you know, maybe you think I should just end it. End the podcast, end my life, let's just fucking get it over with, all right? So that's first thing. Um, as always, questions, comments, concerns, dilemmas, just reach out to me on Instagram. That's the easiest place to get a hold of me if you are one of the people lucky enough to have my uh personal phone number please reach out to me there you can find me on facebook not hard to find um but at the cox talks podcast on instagram that is probably the easiest place to get a hold of me may take me a day or two to get back to you but uh stay calm stay patient i will at some point get back to you uh something i want to touch on first listen last episode we talked about the fucking winter weather in ontario and i fucking knew it I knew it would happen. I knew the day would come when I would be right. So today, uh, minus it started out minus 18, minus 19 when I was out in the barn looking after the ladies this morning, feeding cows, bedding up barns, checking waterers, things like that. Um, 
And guess what? The fucking sun is out. And I, I posted a video on Instagram and it was actually minus 13. So it couldn't have been any fucking better because I do believe I said in the last episode, once it gets colder than minus 12 in Ontario in the winter, the fucking sun comes out. And guess what? This is two days in a row, motherfuckers, when it's been colder than minus 12 and the sun has been out. Last week, minus two, minus three, one degree, two degrees, rain, mud, gray, dark, dreary, freezing rain, shotgun in my mouth. Yeah, shotgun in all your fucking mouths because you were all depressed with the weather last week, the last two weeks here in Ontario. But as I said, old Coxie boys right colder than minus 12 the sun's shining you feel better you actually want to get outside and do something all right you don't want to just fucking jump in the bathtub there and throw the old fucking toaster in with you no it's fucking nice beautiful weather makes you smile makes you happy makes you want to get out play some pond hockey take the dog for a walk fucking whatever you do in the winter time i like to sit my fat fucking ass on the couch and watch tv but hey that's just me all right, that's just me. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to get it out there that I was right. And I know uh, one specific fellow, Tim Webster, you can suck on that. Okay, it's a dry cold, it's a dry cold. Yeah, it is, asshole, and the sun's out. So, suck on that, Timmy boy. Anyhow, let's listen, I wanted to get that out. I just love being right. That's that's all there is to it. So anyways, let's get to our guest, uh, Tyler Morrison. Known him for quite some time. Funny, funny guy. Uh, we talk about some, some of the stuff he's done, why he became a comedian, some of the things he's done and seen, um, some of the roasts that he's done. Got a couple interesting stories. So uh, without further ado, here's Tyler Morrison. Enjoy. All right, so here on the Cox Talks podcast, a guy uh, I've tried to get on here for a long time, and uh, you know what? Just the way the world works, we haven't been able to hook up um, yet, but today he's here, he's pumped, he's ready to go, none other than comedian Tyler Morrison. Hey, how's it going, Coxie? It's going good, man. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Yeah, That's- it's nice to... Uh finally line it up yeah i mean uh listen we met uh a couple times i don't know like 15 probably pushing 20 fucking years ago oh Um, yeah haven't met up recently or lately but we've always kind of stayed in touch stayed in contact and i followed your career of course and uh so yeah so i thought i'd reach out and like listen thanks for coming on thanks for doing this yeah no problem happy to be here yeah, right on. So first of all, um, where are we catching you from today? Are you at home in Bracebridge or where are you at? Yeah, I'm up at ho- home in Bracebridge. I got a little uh, podcast set up here with uh, it's kind of like a studio uh, that I made <coughs> in my shed so I, so I can actually do podcasts away from the kids. <laughs> they had a snow day today, so they're at, they're at their grandma's house. Ah, oh, very good. Very good. Grandmas yeah. are good for something, I guess, eh? Yeah, exactly. Good for podcasts, that's for sure. Absolutely. So why don't you uh why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to the uh to my listeners, what you do, how long you've been doing it, where you've been sure. doing it, and uh yeah, we'll just kind of wing it from there. Yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh I've been doing stand-up for 20 years now. I started back when I was like 18 
at uh, Yuck Yucks in Toronto was the first um, show I ever did was at the downtown club there. And uh, I'm actually going to be headlining that club uh, next week. I don't know when this when this goes out, but uh, January 20th and 21st, I'm going to be headlining the downtown club and uh, in, in Toronto at Yuck Yucks. So that should be pretty fun. And I've been doing, uh, you know, a lot of roast stuff. I, I just did uh, the Roast Battle Canada show, which you can see on Crave TV if you want to check that out. And I have a, a stand-up special on YouTube called Too Soon that uh, people seem to enjoy and some, <laughs> some people not so much. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of uh, what I do. I, you know, I'm a, a married guy, father of two, and I, I live in a small town and kind of uh, get the best of both worlds. I get to live up in a nice little quiet, cozy environment. And then uh, on the weekends, it's full blast going down to the city or wherever, really. I, t- you know, tour across uh, Canada and North America mostly. Right on, right on. We're gonna we're gonna touch on Bracebridge and the Muskokas in in a little bit. Um, I know sure. you've always got some interesting shit to to say about the Muskoka Rift Raft uh, through the year, <laughs> and then and then you get the fucking hoity toities coming up there uh, in uh, in the summertime. But uh, let's let's kind of what like why comedy? What what made you want to be a comedian? What got you into it? Like what was the kind of like, you know what? Fuck it, dad. I'm going to be a comedian. It was uh I mean, I think early on people who were around me knew that I had kind of a different sense of humor from other kids and you know, I was this some of the shit I was writing in school was you know, off off the charts fucked up. It was either uh this guy needs to see a psychiatrist or <laughs> 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 it was <laughs> it was either this guy's the next Jeffrey Dahmer or it's pretty funny and uh I remember they uh I had a teacher uh um in grade 8 and he had wrote on my report card that like one day he hopes to see me writing for the Tonight show and I was like oh that's kind of cool like I that's actually a job like I could you know try and do that and so I just kind of I always was doing my own comedy funny related things i remember when i was like a kid i'd write my own david letterman style top 10 list and just like i figured out how to write jokes that way and, I, and i'd write you know come up with jokes to like insult people like basically roast jokes um back in like i, I would have been like seventh grade eighth grade and just cutting people to shreds and so that just sort of evolved naturally and then i saw that uh, humber college has a comedy program and it's like you go there for two years and it puts you in like this environment full of, you know, a whole bunch of like other people that want to be comedians and and uh, like minded people. It's like a vacuum of creative people. And I met so many awesome connections when I was there. It was like a good excuse for someone from a small town to be able to go to the city and, you know, your parents support it because, you're, you know, you're at least getting, you know, going to uh, like college as well. And you do the other college courses too you know your english and and all that but i mean you're also learning stuff from um industry professionals who've been there for you know they, they've made careers out of it and you learn you know what show business is about <laughs> there's a lot of like i thought it was like cool insight towards the business side of it that i never expected to know um to the stand-up you can just go to an open mic and just start doing it but you get like all this other you know, well-rounded information while you're there too. Right on. Uh, 
so I've met your dad a couple times and uh, very old school, very, um, very 70s hockey player ish, very uh, red, <laughs> very red foreman ish. How did how did your old dad and, and from what I remember, guys of beauty. But um, <laughs> how did your old man react when you were like, yeah, dad, uh, I want to go to college. Like, can I have some money for tuition? Um, I'm I'm going to go for comedy. Like, he was all of, like, about it. Really? Because I feel your yeah, dad he... would have been like, no, nah, you're fucking you're going to go to the trades and you're going to drink Molson <laughs> Canadian like the rest of us. Fuck. No, he wasn't like that at all. He, he has a pretty good sense of humor. And I kind of picked up a lot of from him. You know, he's a pretty funny. He's a pretty funny dude. Um, so he was like so supportive of it. He used to drive. I didn't have a license for a while and he would drive me to my like gigs. Like, he'd take me to open mics and, uh, and I just be boozing it up and doing shows and <laughs> he'd drive <laughs> me back and forth. Um, and so he came out, he was like, he treated it almost like, like a hockey dad, you know, you go to the games with your son. He'd come to the shows when I was like, cause I was underage when I started out. I was right. only 18, like, so he'd finesse them into getting me into the bar and then <laughs> do, do the shows. And he's he's been a huge supporter in, in uh, my whole career. And, you know, like, we're doing this uh, this stuff uh, with the metaverse comedy um, where we're basically pioneering comedy in the metaverse. And he retired last year from his regular, you know, blue-collar job, but he's learned all about the metaverse. <laughs> he's, like, 65. He knows more about the metaverse than most young people. So it's pretty awesome, um, you know, the the level of commitment that he has to his kids. And and he's like that with my brother and sister, too, with, with all their stuff. He's super supportive, as is my mom. Um, so it made it a lot easier. I think a lot of comedians don't have that support uh, when they go into it. The, you know, like, it's parents are like, what the fuck is this kid doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I remember, you know growing up on a dairy farm telling my parents that I wanted to go to school for radio and television broadcasting. It was yeah. like, it was, uh, at first it didn't go over so well. Cause you know, dad's very old school. Mom, mom didn't care, but dad was like, wow, what a waste of fucking time. And in a way he was right. Um, I went to Welland for three years, learned how to drink Molson export. Um, and really, I mean, I graduated, I got my diploma, but I never fucking did anything with it. But you can't put a price on fucking on the experiences you gain living in Welland, Ontario. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's uh, parents usually have some sort of, you know, vision or hopes and dreams for their children. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it comes as a rude awakening when we give them a smack in the face and say we want to do what we want to do. Um, but no, it's, uh, yeah, it's been it's been helpful to have them, you know, in, in my corner. Right. On. I, I mean, I'm a fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's not get carried away here. Let's not get carried away. So obviously, you know, like um, like comedy. You're going to crash and burn long before you have any success. And it's kind mm -hmm. of a grind, I would imagine, to find like your niche, find what comedy not only you enjoy, but what comedy you're good at writing. How long did it kind of take? Because you do like, um, and we'll get into it a little bit later. Like you do kind of straddle that line of offside, but it's okay sort of deal. And I think mm -hmm. to me, that's my sense of humor. That's what makes you so funny. But 
how long did it kind of take you to find your 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 I guess your niche we'll call it for lack of a better term I I knew right away the type of comedian I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and I knew how to write jokes and it was it did not take me long to start writing on a level that was it's not too far off where I'm where I'm at now I, I'm better now but and obviously you improve from just doing it like writing it but if I was to go back and do jokes that I wrote when I first started they would kill probably not all of them I mean obviously there's um timing and co- time and context of past but structurally the joke the jokes were fine it wasn't even even that for me it was like I just had to get on stage and do it as much as possible you know, so you can become confident and then you start building what your persona is, how you, you know, deliver that material. That's a big part of it. And there's, you know, a lot of comedians, every comedian has like an X factor and it's usually performing or writing. And my X factor was writing. And so the performance, once it caught up to the writing, then it became all of a sudden, okay, now I'm hitting in a different level. And it's kind of the way I see it is like when a guy like like such as Chris Rock, Chris Rock will when he's testing his material, he'll go to like he'll go to open mics and he will say the material just very normally casually. He won't put the Chris Rock preacher cell to it the way he would do it on yeah. a stand-up special in front of an arena, and he just says the jokes, um, you know, low key. And if the joke hits, then he knows it's good because he hasn't put the cell to it. He knows it's gonna get like a boost of steroids when he does it with the delivery. And so for me, like the first, I'd say even 12 years was um, almost as if I was performing without the delivery. And then once I figured, I got confident enough to bring that delivery into it, then things just started going and i i was killing on a much lover larger level there's different levels of laughs that i'm the joke would get and the joke itself (laughs) if it's funny it'll get the laugh and if i perform it even better then it's gonna create another wave of laughter it just it builds up you can wring more out of it um when you tell a joke it's like there's the joke and then there's the kind of the tagline after you say the joke, but then there's also, you can get a a look on a laugh um, or not not a laugh on like a look. So if you say something, pause and look at them, then you can get an extra laugh. That usually is like with bigger shows. If you have a bigger crowd, you can, you can figure out all the new ways it can ring laughs out of material. And I suppose And I suppose, and I can ask this because I know that you're a wrestling fan. It's a lot like being a wrestler and just just um, picking your direction or pick like based on crowd reaction. Mm-hmm. So if you tell a yeah, joke so- that maybe you think is borderline and it gets so so this is actually something I wanted to ask you. So let's say you're up there, things are going well. And all of a sudden you like, you're in the middle of your routine, we'll call it. And you tell a joke that that you think is, is, uh, is good. is funny. And you get zero reaction. Have you ever had to do like a complete fucking left turn in the middle of a routine or like, how do you, how do you handle that? If you tell a joke and it bombs right in the middle of your routine, how do you handle that? 
you have to be comfortable in the silence. If you're not comfortable in the silence, they catch on. And that's one of the things that I tell younger comics. I say, you know, right now you're just kind of learning how to get laughs and, and you're getting the laughs in the right places, but there's going to be times where you don't get that laugh. And if you show the audience that that throws you, they lose confidence in you. When people go out to a show, they're essentially looking for a leader. You're the leader up there. And if you show, if any type of leadership, if you show weakness, they will turn on you or they'll lose faith in you and confidence. And then that's the exact same thing as stand up. So they're just looking for a good leader. And if you're comfortable, if something doesn't go, you just kind of, you know, just be comfortable in the silence because you know the next one's going to hit. And if it doesn't hit, then, you know, you're digging out of a hole. But there's been times, <laughs> sorry, there's been times where I was killing as probably as hard as I could uh, in a middle spot. I was doing a 25-minute set at Hamilton Yuck Yucks. There was a headliner coming on after me. So the job is the middle is you're setting it up. You're just warming the room up so that the headliner comes on and has a hot show. Right. And if they're hot when you get off, you've done your job. Um, and it was going as, as good as it could go at the time for me in that show. And I don't even know what the joke was. I definitely said something that twisted this crowd where they went, like, it just like (laughs) shut them down in a way that it was, there wasn't enough, there wasn't a lot of time left to dig out of that hole. Right. (laughs) So if you have time, you can warm them back up. But I'm like, I have... I think I have, I know my closing joke, can, I can get off on a bang with the closing joke, but from where I'm at in this joke, I have to finish this joke, like there's there's extra stuff on this, wherever it stopped the record, I still have, I'm in the middle of something bigger, I can't just stop the right. bit in the middle yeah. of the bit, because if I do that, I'm showing I'm I'm admitting failure and showing weakness to this crowd, I have to double down ride through that um, uncomfortable two minutes, three minutes, and then start building back up to the head to the closing joke. So I'm in my head doing the math. Okay. I can, if I, if I ride this joke out and end it here, I can do these two jokes that will segue into my closer. No problem. And it'll build up just enough before the times before my time's up. And so it was like, it was definitely like a race against the clock to turn it around when that um, crowd like shifted on me. And I've had them where it's like the first joke, they just, no way we don't like you. And you know, right away that they don't like you. So that's a long, if you're headlining 45 minutes to an hour, if they don't like you on your first joke, it's a lot of uh, stopping and starting. Yeah, for sure. So what, what's the title? Like, what would you call, your brand of comedy? Uh, I would say my brand of comedy is kind of dark blue collar. Yeah. Okay. It's like a mix between, you know, Ron White style and I don't know, Anthony Jeselnik or Ice Clay. You know, there's a bit of everything in that. Um, I'm not really influenced by, by Jeselnik, but he is definitely in that vein right like i'd say the dark style of comedy is man that guy um, pushes the limits and i i he's one of my favorite comedians yeah, for sure he's funny um 
I I love I love listening to him. So if so I know yuck yucks. Let's say I wanted to bring yuck yucks into Uxbridge for a night. I know you can get like there's three different levels, right? You can get like the the family friendly comedians, the PG thirteen comedians, and then like the rated R. Where would yeah. you fall into out of curiosity? Well, if I don't know, or can I mean, you go like I I suppose a good comedian could perform in all three. I could do all three, but they would probably if Yuck Yucks was selling me, they'd be selling me to the rated R crowd. That's right. where that's where they'd be pushing me. That's the most fun for me. There's no restrictions. Um and yeah, you're gonna get the best show there. Uh I've definitely done like I do corporate clean stuff and and that's you know, you pay your bills sometimes with that stuff. Uh but I, I don't really like doing shows where there's restrictions on me. I like to be able to just do my show. And and every comedian would say the same too, right? But it's um yeah, I think they'd probably push me to the rated R thing. But they know I if they know if they asked me I would I could keep it uh on the level for you know Yeah, yeah, for sure. For what, um show. what kind of a cut, like if you don't mind me asking, so if you go yeah, let's you you come to Oxford, you put on a show as a rated R comedian. Obviously, you get paid by yuck yucks, but what kind of a percentage do they take, or is it how does that how does that break down? Let's get them on the phone and see how. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. It's I mean, agents I think are typically like fifteen twenty percent, depending on the type of agent. Uh, Sometimes it's less. Sometimes it's ten. It just depends on who who the agents are and and that um, and what they're doing for you. And then there's like you get into management management and stuff. It's that's another uh, percentage out of your pocket if you have management. Um, but it for me, it's a, if they book the show, they should take their cut if they got you the work. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, and, and that's and that's it. But as long as everyone's transparent with what the what their deal is and and that then it's, it's great. Great. And that's how how she works. I don't have a manager um, and yuck yucks. They book me on. uh on, they mostly yucks mostly books me in the clubs actually uh, that's what i like to do anyway but <clears throat> the clubs are lots of fun why don't you like i could see you as a guy that has you know like the classic uh wwf manager from the 80s like a slickster or a jimmy hart or brother love like why don't you why don't you find someone or something and just incorporate that into your show the thing is, I am that guy. Like you've Fair seen my enough. promos. I, yes, I, I'm. I should be a wrestling manager. <laughs> That's a fair I, statement, actually. Yes, I cut the best promos. <laughs> well, actually, I was watching some of your stuff, and we'll move on. I I want to get into some of your roasts because you tend to. You tend. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. It was yeah, cutting sorry. out for a second. Yeah, so right. I want to get into your roast because I know like you love or I, I'm assuming just based on the material that's out there, like you love doing roasts. And yeah. I've watched some of your roasts. What my favorite roast I think that you did, and I think it was just an audition, perhaps, was to get on was it the Rob Ray roast? And you were wearing Oh yeah, yeah. So you was... were trying you were trying out for the Rob Ray roast, but in your video you're wearing a fucking Probert jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was some I thought that was really fucking good. Talk to us about doing roasts. I mean you sure. you were I mean I see you're wearing the shirt. You were able to also roast Ric Flair, were you not? 
Yeah, I just did the roast of Ric Flair in Nashville, and that was on Fight TV. So you can still get it if you go to Fight TV's website. Uh, you can you can buy it on there. It's, it was a pay per view event that Triller put on with uh, with them and uh, Starcast, and it was that was wild. That was one of is the Ric most Flair fun. all he's cracked up to be? Oh, he's the man, Slick Rick. Slick <laughs> Rick's he's seventy three and he's in the bar partying as hard or harder than anyone else. Um, it's insane. It, it just to be that whole weekend was special because it was Rick's last match too, right? It was right. the roast was packaged around Rick's last match weekend. So there's so many wrestlers in. They had the big convention and SummerSlam was going on too in Nashville. Everything was going on at the same time. So I get in there and, uh, it's the we came in the night before, got all set up, and the the roast the day of the roast was the Friday night, so it was early. So I got to do the roast first, and then everyone around these events knew who I was from the roast. So everywhere I went, it was just that's awesome. Cruise control. I got free SummerSlam tickets. I got to go. Okay. I got, yeah, I got to go with these 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 beauties we were drinking with. Um, <laughs> Uh, who is it? Uh, oh, Mister Saturday Night and Space Cowboy. They're, oh, nice. They're they're, yeah. they're the rest. They're uh, um, they do stuff with WWE sometimes. I think they're like they play like the referees when they're breaking up like the big brawls. Yeah, but yeah. they're on the smaller <laughs> like other cards. Um, you know, I guess they'd be they're, they're pros and they're they're cool dudes. And we were partying with them at the hotel, and they hooked me up with SummerSlam tickets. We had the best seats in the house. It was awesome. So like around that that whole weekend, it was just, you know, hey, you want to go to Kid Rock's bar? The guy from Tiger King, John Ranky's there. He's got his VIP. I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, how do you That's fucking awesome. say no to that? I know, me? I know. He was at the roast too, right? So um it was it was just so much fun. And then and then being around uh the event, they're like Eric Bischoff from WCW NWO. Eric yeah. Bischoff's a wrestling legend. They come to be like Tyler, Eric Bischoff, and you would get a shuttle for you guys to go over to the arena. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. So I'm drinking Bud Light with Eric Bischoff, who I think is one of the greatest villains of all time. He's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, I, I love Bischoff's uh, bad guy persona when he was in WCW. Um, it was it was awesome. So I got to hang out with him. And then when we go to the arena for Flair's last match, it's lined up down the block. And so when we're walking in, none of the, these people don't know who I am, but I'm with Bischoff. So they see Bischoff, and these wrestling fans are just so excited. You just feel the energy around that whole event. And then I get to sit with uh, with Rick's family and hang out with all of his family and closest friends because I was writing on the roast. Uh, I wrote jokes for Rick. I don't think he did any of them, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't expect him to. But uh, Wendy, who uh, wondrous Wendy, she was a valet and she in WCW and and uh, Rick's uh, Rick's girlfriend. Um, she I wrote for her too, so I knew all the people around them, and uh, and I got to hang out like a fly on the wall. It was like a make a wish weekend for a wrestling fan. Uh, like my seat was behind Brett the Hitman Hart in the backstage watching the the thing. Is it so that's cool. wild? That's that's and, fucking wild. And then we go out partying after, and we're at Kid Rock's bar. Kid Rock's there. Like, you know, 
you don't know what it what it's like when you're you don't you don't expect it to be like that when when you get the call to do it and it, it just turned out to be the wildest weekend so kid rocks bar is very cool the backstage area though it's you everyone in the bar can see the backstage area it's <clears> behind <throat> the band so you got the nasty boys brian uh knobs and Jerry sags. sags are there hitman hearts there uh earl skakel my buddy who's a great <laughs> comic he was on the roast he's with me and uh yeah flair's back there kid rock like Seth Green, it was just like it was so bizarre. But there's really only 30 people that could fit back there, I think. So, I mean, that'd be wild too. For because, like, we're the same age, but like, you know, I was never a Bret Hart fan, I was big Shawn Michaels guy. Okay, big Shawn Michaels guy. You yeah. can't, you can't not like Ric Flair. And as you mentioned, Eric Bischoff, I mean, name a more punchable face in professional wrestling between. So I don't know, between 95 and 99, you can't. <laughs> and I mean, so those are characters we grew up with when we were younger, even like Seth Green, you said like, that's, that'd be a pretty cool experience in its own. Even if you didn't get to roast Ric Flair. Yeah. No, I got to hand kid rock a beer. Just, ah, it's like, it's like the uh, in predator when they shake hands. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking right. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> but did you get to sit down? Did you get any one-on-one time with old Dick flair or not a lot? I talked to him on the phone before the event. We had a, a really cool call and he was super awesome. He's really appreciative. But just a really good dude. But like, I was basically drinking beside him the whole, That's <laughs> the whole time, wild. you know. And then we, and then the after after party after Kid Rocks, I was there with with them. Like Flair was up till four in the morning that night drinking. <laughs> He's <laughs> that guy's night. fucked, man. He's fucked. He's I don't wild. understand it. I don't understand oh, yeah. it. So that was Defies a pretty cool. A that was a pretty cool experience. But yeah, you've done. Um, so let's get back to that Rob Ray one, just because that's kind of where okay. we started. Was that I'll an odd? Yeah, was that an odd? What was that? So they were doing it in Buffalo, and they didn't have. I'm pretty sure they didn't have room for anyone else on the dais, but they ha- they're doing like a video reel. So I sent in a video for it. Oh, okay. And I just and I posted it up after, but I, I yeah, I wore the Probert jersey because. Uh, Rob Ray and Probert never fought, so it was uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a dig. Yeah, never fought Probert, but Rob yeah. Ray is fucking awesome. Yeah, Rob Rob Ray's a beauty. How do you like doing the roasts? Like you've said, you've done the CTV roast battles and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like, and I haven't I haven't been able to watch those. They're on my list. I'll I'll be the first to admit it. But I feel like you're a guy like let's. There's a bit of a fucking professional wrestling theme to this, and that's okay. But I feel like you're the guy that like, like you love just a good roast battle. I'm a villain. Yeah, I'm a natural born. You're villain. Eric Bischoff uh, of the comedy world. I know. I I I really you know ever since I was a kid I cheered for villains. Uh, my mom told me when I was two years old, Rowdy Roddy Piper was my my favorite, and that would have been '85, first WrestleMania. So that's he, like prime. Uh, was it was '85 the first WrestleMania? uh either 85 or 86 one or the other would have been before 86 so yeah i I think 85 was the first one but that's prime rowdy roddy piper villain so i was always cheering for the bad guys when i was a kid 
And I just developed that dark sense of humor. There's a few things that like, I think I was really influenced by comedically when I was young and definitely wrestling and bad guy wrestlers for sure. And also the movie, this is a, this is a rant. This is out of the blue. The movie problem child. <laughs> that movie is an underrated treasure. It's so funny. It's so dark and everything. Everyone's a bad person in that movie. And it makes me laugh so hard to this day, but I saw that movie and I just picked up all those, I understood that humor right away. I just got it. And so I don't know. I just That's another that. that's another thing I've noticed about, you know, I've listened to podcasts that you've been on, um, some of your stand-up work, like and I I can do the same thing. Um, but we grew up in the eighties and the nineties, and I guess maybe we started to mature, maybe around like, you know, two thousand five, whatever, maybe. But if you want to talk yeah, 80s, 90s wrestling, you can do it. If you want to talk 80s, yes. 90s movies, you can do it. If you want to talk fucking Degrassi Junior High episodes, I feel like you're an encyclopedia for Degrassi Junior High, too. How do you know that? Because you've talked to me about it? No, we've never discussed it, but okay. I just feel I, I just get I know alive. a lot about Degrassi. It's like, I actually yeah, do, too. It's, it's way more than than anyone would think. I'm I'm the same. I know way too much about Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High, and I'm not afraid to admit <laughs> I've been on a little bit of a Degrassi, the new generation kick lately. Watch it all because it's on. Like when I go to bed at ten o'clock, I'm like, oh, I'll just throw on see what see what Emma yeah. and fucking her mom Spike are up to these days, and to yeah. compare it back to the original. But that's what I like about your your depth as a comedian and just as a as a person. Because not a lot of people, even though they grew up in the eighties, nineties, lot not a lot of people can talk about that shit. Like they don't have well, the, I, they don't have the knowledge of it. I was in a punk band called From the Mean Streets of Degrassi when I was in high Come school. Come on, was, fuck off. Yeah, yeah. And so my buddy Jay, he was our bass player. We only played one episode. We played at the Schomburg Fair. We ruined the Schomburg Fair. Oh, and uh, that's a pretty. That's actually an accomplishment. We're worse than the demolition derby. And, then, <laughs> and so Jay, Jay's, we're in this band. We played only played one show, but he got a giant, he was calling himself Snake, like from Degrassi. And he got a giant Cobra tattoo on his arm. And then we broke up like right after that show, but he was Snake for life. He still goes by Snake. And uh, he'd come on the road with me because he's one of my best buddies. He'd, he'd come on the road with me. He lived in Ottawa. So when I was doing shows in Montreal, I go to Ottawa and then he drive the other leg to Montreal. So it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, one of my friends, hilarious comedian, Michelle Shaughnessy, uh, she was touring with me for about a month. Uh, it was myself, her and Ben Miner were on this uh, cold, dark January tour that she was headlining. And uh, snake was coming, coming to the shows with us. I'm like, listen, snake, you can't hit on Michelle. Okay. Cause <laughs> if, if you don't tell him, he, he will. And uh, I'm like, you gotta just, just, I gotta be on, on uh, doing shows with Michelle for like a month. So just don't fuck this up. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, all right, all right. But I can tell he really liked her. And uh, he, to his credit, he never, uh, he never did. But then uh, she ends up uh, marrying Stefan Brogren, who played Snake on Degrassi. Come on. <laughs> no way. 
Yeah, yeah. Stefan's the man. He's the he's the nicest guy and uh and Snake, my buddy Snake, <laughs> sends Michelle a message. Hey, let me know when you want to get with the real snake. <laughs> like you formed your entire identity off of she is with the real snake. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. So you've got to hang out with uh with with Stefan Brogren then. Yeah, yeah. Joey was, Jeremiah uh, ever kicking around or uh they're still friends and uh and I I have never met uh I've never met him, but uh yeah, that'd be really cool too. Um I'm trying to think. Yeah, we. I, I went over to. I've been to their house and and uh, we met up with them in New York and had a blast. It was really funny. We're in New York and I think it was the cellar. We're sitting upstairs and no one knows who any of us are. And Stefan's, you know, a celebrity in Canada, but no one's recognizing him or anything like that. And just right. it's funny to see all these when you're not a famous comic and seeing all the famous comics and people interacting with them. It's kind of interesting to see. Um, but it gives you a perspective where if you, I feel like I'm in a position in comedy where I'm as good as any of the top guns. Like I've worked with all of them. Right. Um, I just don't have the, the popularity yet. So. Right. And that shit takes episode. time, man. <laughs> shit takes time. I'll share it. I mean, all uh, 28 of my listeners are going to love it. But, um, but I just. I 28 strong. <laughs> <laughs> I just came up with a question that I wanted to ask. Yeah. Okay. So. There's a street fight. Okay. Yeah. Snake. Wheels. And Joey Jeremiah. Get into a street fight with Screech. AC Slater and Zach Morris. Who's winning? Who's winning that brawl? That's a that's a that's an interesting one. I mean, I want Degrassi to win so bad, but I, I think Saber the Bell is knocking him out. Screech is a black Screech is a black belt, baby. Screech is a black belt, and I mean AC Slater. Well, first of all, you never fuck with a guy with a curly mullet. You fucking like Mean Valley, dude. And 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 like he was what like all state champion wrestler or so, all city. Cause yeah, he always beat the Valley losers, right? Yeah, man. AC Slater, pretty much alone. Like Screech, I'm just joking. I think, I, I mean, I I worked with Dustin Diamond too, so like I got to do right uh, Ron Jeremy roast with him. And uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, Actually, yeah. So, I did know that, and I forgot all about that. You fucking yes. hung out with Ron Jeremy and Dustin Diamond. You want to hear that story? <laughs> uh, who doesn't? I mean, who fucking doesn't? Let's hear it. Okay, so this is this was kind of a wild. Uh, this was a wild weekend. <laughs> we were actually doing like a uh, a documentary. We were working on putting it together about about the curse of the Ron Jeremy roast and all the <laughs> bad things that had happened to all the people that were on it before, you know, during and since. It was just a cursed uh, event right from from the get go. Um, but I mean, on that show, you had. Uh, Ron Jeremy being roasted, but we had Lisa Ann, the porn star. We had, uh, you know, Lisa Ann, of course, mm -hmm. uh, yep. from Who's Nail and Palin, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> now she's on Sirius XM. And then we had, uh, yeah, Dustin Diamond. We had uh, Andrew Schultz, who's one of the biggest comics in the world right now. Um, the man, love Schultzy, and then Tony Hinchcliffe, another beauty. Hinchcliffe's getting pretty big too. Mm -hmm. uh, he does, you know, Kill Tony, great podcast. Um, Brian Redman was on it and he's also 
on Tony's podcast. He produces that. And we had uh, who else was on that show? Um, Magnus Bettner, who's like the biggest comic in Sweden. Really funny dude. My guy, John Moses, who's my co-host on Fight Stories, Wicked yep. Stand-Up. <clears throat> so all these people are in for this this roast. And Ron decides that he's not doing the roast unless he gets paid the rest of his money up front in cash, which wasn't <laughs> part of the deal, right? It was <laughs> whatever the deal was. It wasn't that. So I got to go down because the producers can't get the money. I go down and I take out a bunch of money, cash, and bring it down. Because everyone's in from like all over North America. Yeah, I mean, everywhere. Magnus Bender came in from Sweden yeah. to do this thing. And Ron's holding it up like he's the ultimate warrior before SummerSlam, telling Vince he's not going to go out to the squared circle. Unacceptable. <laughs> so I put the money down. I front the money for, for, the, sh- for the show to even happen. Because I've been writing for this. I was writing for uh, Lisa Ann. I wrote a bunch of stuff for Screech and Ron, which again they didn't do the jokes. So, like, mm-hmm. if you watch, if you've seen that roast, you'll know that uh, there's a reason why they ate shit. They didn't do the jokes. I wrote them, <laughs> um, but so I, I wrote wrote jokes for them, and I, and I'm wrote all this stuff for me, and I'm on the show, and it's an opportunity for me to be seen by a lot of people, and. Uh, so I, I put the money down and we get the show is saved. I go out and I get a standing ovation on this thing, blow it up. It was felt worth it at the time to make sure that that happened. I mean, just for the stories alone is worth it. But before the show, one of the, the craziest things we're sitting in the green room, drinking, eating pizza. It's just all the comics. It's a very small green room at the Royal uh, theater in Toronto. And Ron comes walking into the green room with this uh, with this chick who's a porn star also and uh, takes her into the bathroom stall that's right in the center of the green room, closes the door, and then they proceed to have sex right there in the gas or like in the in the uh, bathroom uh, stall while everyone's just sitting there eating pizza. And it was just so, so bizarre. You know, when you you have that like, what the fuck moment with your buddy. Yeah. That's how I knew it was whack when I look <laughs> over at my what the fuck moment is with Screech from Say by the Bell. <laughs> That's you fucking know, like, good. Ron's, you know, like, can't, how, how do you shock Screech, man? I mean, he put out his own porn, Saved by the Smell. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like at any moment, like just Ron having that thing out. You know, it's clear and present danger. At any second, I was never safe in that room. Felt like he could just whip it over his shoulder over the stall and snatch the slice of pizza out of your hand like a bad elephant at the circus. (laughs) Is that what it is, though? Like, the guy is ugly as fuck. He's probably in the top five ugliest human beings, but allegedly, I've never seen it. Well, I mean, not in person, but his cock is massive. Like, is that how he gets to bang broads just because he's got such a big unit or like what? But also there's a celebrity attached to it, I think. I guess, and, yeah. Uh, and, and, and so when he comes around, he's almost like a novelty, right? Like he's, he's, he's like this, there's a weird celebrity thing. When people see celebrities, they get weird. Yeah, it's, it's that's just, fair. It is, it's a weird experience being around that. Um, it's definitely a circus. Ron, and then obviously Ron gets laid a lot because he's a rapist. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the other reason. That's the other reason. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. 
That's he's up for it, right? Like he's in uh he's in trouble. Yeah, he's in some hot water. Up. I think he dies in prison. Oh, then, probably. And that whole roast we didn't it was like we weren't even looking at Ron Jeremy as like that big of a target. He was the main guy we were roasting, but Screech was on it. We're all the comics, our goal was to like get Screech to lose his mind. Because Screech had like a reputation of, of snapping, right? Like or being like a, a, a bad dude. And then he comes into the roast and he's the sweetest guy. He did not live up to the bad reputation I was expecting. Right. And so he's just being so nice to us. I mean, I've heard a lot of bad stories about him, and and I believe that most of them are probably true. Yeah, uh, he he definitely struggled with his role and and with fame and and all that. And people were dickheads. People are, are pricks to you if you play uh, a role. You know, they're going to be bringing up even Chappelle, who has like a cool role. Oh, yeah, he'd come on there yelling on his, his shows, and <clears throat> people are idiots around celebrity yeah and uh and so dustin i think yeah he, he probably did he probably was a dick to a lot of people but around when i met him he was the sweetest guy so i don't really have anything like bad to say about him right and and you know we're about to roast this guy he's being so nice so I'm like fuck this dude i'm cranking it up and i destroyed dustin on that roast and uh <laughs> and afterwards <laughs> i think like it would have been Three weeks later, TMZ's on, and I just see Dustin Diamond has been arrested for stabbing three people in a Milwaukee nightclub. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> you really dodged a bullet there, right? Yeah. And I I could have been I could have been Milwaukee number four. <laughs> <laughs> That's and they, great. And so after the roast, what happened was they they uh the producers forgot to get release forms signed from some of the talent so certain people were refusing to sign the releases so the roast was going to not be able to be put out mm. um, and there's a whole dispute uh, with one of the comics and we ended up blurring him out of the roast and so he's still on that you see that's actually fucking funny which is way worse <laughs> for him he could have just you know we edited it to make him look better but really you know he got buried he had to come on after me and he wasn't prepared and and he was right after my set and it got just an avalanche yeah and just you know didn't work out but then so we had to blur him out and dustin diamond hadn't signed and, and like i was able to get all the signatures except this one comics i hadn't had dustin signed and i got dustin diamond to sign the release the day he was going to prison oh wow crazy like you got i got some sway you've got some sway. down oh buddy on the back end because i took over as one of the producers on the project after the roast because i fronted that money to to make yeah. it happen so i took over and uh yeah i was able to get all everyone except for that one dude to sign it's too bad that he didn't sign it because i mean it's it's kind of an unnecessary beef um but anyway yeah i think i think it was uh yeah there's a lot of things that happened after that and unfortunately dustin diamond did pass away i hope he got a chance to make amends with some of the people that uh you know had bad blood with him i think he did with with some of the say by the bell cast members um but yeah uh, yeah, sure. that's, you never want anyone to go out like that. That's sad. 
No, no, that's for sure. So, so back to the roasts here a little bit. I know there yeah. is there is a a group out in Western Canada, <clears throat> the Danger Cats. Oh yeah, yeah. They've been doing these these roast battles. Uncle Hack actually has been <laughs> on the Cox Talks podcast. Um, okay, I'm hoping to get him back on again. Pr- really cool guy, actually. I was I was surprised that I could get him on. To be honest with you, yeah. But have you been in touch with them at all? Because like they. Talk about pushing the envelope on, on, and I was going to get into this, but I don't want to get into it on how hard it is today to be a comedian and not fucking get canceled. But these guys are putting on shows and then, you know, shows that they have booked weeks later are getting canceled because they pushed that envelope over right over the edge. You've been in touch with them at all. Have you seen their stuff? Um, How far are you, how far are you willing to push the envelope? I mean, I don't think that there really is a too far. I think it's just too far for certain people. It's reading it's not your room. too far, not too far for me, <laughs> too far for you, pussies. Um, no, those guys are good. Those guys are cool. Um, I've seen Uncle Hack on podcasts. I haven't seen him do comedy or anything. Uh, Brett Forte is a funny comic, and uh, his his Instagram shit cracks me up. Um and uh, Sam Walker, yeah, I like Sam Walker. I've I've met Sam when I was doing uh, shows at West. He's a fucking beauty. Uh, yeah, I, those guys are sweet, man. I love seeing the independent spirit of comedians and people that do it yourself attitude and not taking any shit from the industry or uh, from comedy fans that push back against. When I say comedy fans, they're not comedy fans. They're just pro- professional fucking crybabies that want to complain <laughs> about about shit. They're not even professional. They're they're just weak, weak minded people that have to. They can't just say this isn't for me. No, they have to take Make this entitlement to it. another level yeah. and say this isn't right for everyone. Well, guess what? Fuck you. You no one wants to fucking hang out with you. That's exactly. why you got time to fucking complain all and write letters and shit because you're yes. not living a social life and being actually actually being cool and contributing <laughs> yeah well so, the reason so, yeah i don't like seeing those dudes get getting shut down but I, I but they are smart they know how to spin it in their favor you know they, oh yeah they, they play the wrestling angle too right well I that's why that. and that's why I, I i wanted to know because they've got the the well they call themselves the like the the, the roast battle champ of Canada. They've got the belt. They do the promos like um, yeah. the uncle hack podcast. I, I listen to quite often. And yeah, like he's, I I'm a little behind schedule. I don't know if he's still the champ, but he was the champ. And for the longest time he would use his podcast to just chirp everybody that he roast battles against. And it, it did it. It had, it had a very WWF feel to it. And I think that's what sucked me into the whole thing. Yeah, I think like Sam Walker is a tough dude to like. I think people have a challenge against like Roast Ballant against him because he's doing like a persona type character thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, he. I think he's become that. <laughs> no, I believe but, it. Yeah. Fuck, he's funny. But so, uh, yeah, those guys. Those guys are great. They're doing their thing, man. And and uh, I hope that they, you know, keep building their their fan base. And, and yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm waiting for them to come to Ontario, but I don't know. I think we're all too, uh, 
We're too fucking we soft and entitled. Ontario's too liberal for, for way the too fucking cats. liberal for the danger cats. <laughs> way too liberal. Um, but um, so do you have like uh, I think it's Ron White stands there with like the glass of scotch or whiskey and the cigar or whatever. I mean, I've seen comedians they perform fucking with no tarp on. Like uh, I'll call it a shtick. Do you a have a gimmick, a shtick? I know you for a long time you were big with just. You know, the, the trucker hats, you were always wearing a trucker hat. Um, yeah. do you have a gimmick? Not really, man. It's just, yeah, I don't have a gimmick. I I'm just me and, and do my thing. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, the way I dress is sort of, I don't know. I, I usually dress the same way for like about a year. And then yeah. when I do like a special, I'll, that's what I'm wearing. And yeah. then I then shift, shift my style a little bit, like with, with what I'm wearing, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not doing a like Burt Kreischer take off the shirt thing, or I don't have a signature. Um, you know, so I'll drink beer sometimes on stage, but not always. Doesn't right. like it's not yeah. necessary. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, Mr. Muskoka, who is Mr. Muskoka? No one knows. <laughs> Mr. Muskoka is all of us. Mr. Uh, Muskoka is the, the worst of everything in uh, in Muskoka. The worst cottagers, the worst locals. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because I'm, I'm a big, I'm a little addicted to Twitter. I'll admit it, and a lot of my listeners uh, are are quite active on Twitter. And I don't know if they have discovered Mr. Muskoka on Twitter. I discovered quiet. I I discovered Skokes a long time ago, and uh, I love his stuff. Talk to us about living in Muskoka in the summertime when all these fucking douche canoes come and ruin your town that is like, I'm a big fan of Bracebridge. I don't want to call it a shithole, but um, it's, it's, would you even call it a blue collar town? Bracebridge isn't like even that blue collar. I'd say it's, there's, I don't know. It's, it's a pretty good community. <laughs> it is. It's it's not terrible. Actually, I challenged Mr. Muskoka one time to a fist fight out in front of the one of the fucking little coffee shops up there one time, and he never showed up because I think he's a pussy. But um, nah, Skokes is ripping on his Donzi doing rooster tails, showing probably, off for the <laughs> probably. But but yeah, get like talk to us about like when all these fucking sure. you know Oakville, Burlington, you know bridal path douchebags roll into Muskoka for the summertime like for you locals it's just you guys just want to must want to beat your head against the wall well i don't and it, hold on and i don't me. i don't like don't sewer your tourism industry in Muskoka no no it doesn't bother me um too much because it's it's well it is good for the community and and what this it'll be about a day where I'm on the main street and the, you know, the Manitoba street, the one straight line right across yes. town. And I'm in traffic for 15 minutes. It takes me, you know, an extra five to 10 minutes to get across town and I'm getting pissed off. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is so normal in Toronto. What, yeah. <laughs> what a first world problem that I have right now. Um, and it's fine. It's no, it's, I have a lot of, I've met a lot of awesome cottagers and people. There are the dickheads that come up, but you know what? Those people, a lot of them, they, uh, they just don't know how to act. I mean, you get, it's, they get up here 
and they think that they're fucking special and, and they're showing off. But the people who really are the fabric of like the cottaging community and that they're not like that at all. They're comfortable with their money. It's a lot about family. There's yeah. so much up here about their cottages and the, and the way they love Muskoka and they, they want to pass it down to the next generation of their family. So the, that's the majority of the people. It's, it's usually like the little rich douchebags that come up for the weekend and they mm. got, you know, they're just, they're just here to stunt, you know, that's, that's yeah. not the real cottagers in Muskoka. The real cottagers in Muskoka come to the cottage country comedy festival every year <laughs> and spend yes. their hard earned dollars with the greatest comedy. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to ask you about that, but um, uh, yeah, that's one thing I noticed. So, I go to Lake Muskoka quite often because it's only, you know, it's an hour 10, depending on where I want to You come up from. on the weekend and you like to stunt. I come up on the weekend <laughs> and I like to stunt with my sea But, you you know, you cruise Muskoka, you know, we'll go up to uh, to Carling and hit Turtle Jacks and we'll fuck around. But you go buy yeah. all these million dollar, multi-million dollar cottages and they're fucking, they're empty. There's nobody there. But then you go buy, <laughs> you go through the slums which are still million dollar cottages, but they're just a lot more modest and they're packed. There's like 30, 40 people at every cottage. It's just, it, it boggles yeah. my mind, but it's like you said, those are the real cottagers. Those people that are there every weekend, bringing family, bringing friends, having a good time. That's yeah. uh that's what Muskoka is all about to me. Really? I think so. I think so. It's uh it's a good place to raise a family. Um, you know, it's the the local stuff that, you know, it's like any small town, though. Like, it does have its problems. There's drug problems and stuff like that. And and uh, so if there's anyone out there with a drug problem uh, that knows where, uh, where <laughs> I should meet them. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, I wanted to ask you, and you brought it up, all right, the Cottage, the Cottage Comedy Fest. Talk to us about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. So it's a festival that uh, we started it out um, in 2008 was our first year of the festival. Um, I started, I think I was 23 when I started this thing um, or when I started planning it anyway. And uh, it's it became bigger and bigger over the years. And then from there, we, we created Cottage Comedy Digital, which is what our primary focus right now is a lot of the... Um, the uh, albums and, and stand-up specials that we're producing, but we do host uh, shows pretty regularly uh, throughout Muskoka um, through, through our cottage comedy brand with different venues. Uh, the pandemic pumped the brakes on things a little bit. We're just starting to kind of come out of that and get our game plan together of what we want to do with the fest. Um, lots of cool opportunities though for us up here because, you know, people are excited to get back out and doing things again. No one liked being stuck at home and not being able to come out for a laugh. Yeah, that that sucked for sure. So we're going to wrap things up here, but I've got five kind of rapid fire questions uh, sure. for you before we go. So <clears throat> uh, favorite all-time TV show? Favorite all-time TV show? I'm going to have to go with Sopranos. The Sopranos. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Favorite 80s wrestler? Rowdy Roddy Piper. I kind of knew. I figured that or Savage, Randy Savage. I like um, Savage too. Sweet. Your favorite 90s NHL goalie. 90s NHL goalie. I got to go with Felix Pompin. 
Oh, fuck off. It's so fucking generic. Fucking loser. What's uh, that? I said, that's so generic. Don't be such a loser. Like, give me a fucking Vincent Riendu or somebody. Like, come oh, on. Oh, a little, little Riendu? What about uh, Rick Tabaracci? There you go. You know, I was a big John Blue guy myself. Being a Boston fan, big John, John Blue guy. John Blue, not bad, yeah. not bad. Big Chris Terreri, I always thought, got an underrated shake of the stick in New Jersey because Brodeur overshadowed him. You're Chris not. Terreri. You're not wrong. And Rick Tabaracci might have had the best glove in the 90s. Like his glove saves were fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Tabaracci could flash the leather. I'll tell you that. (laughs) That's fair. Okay. um, What would be, if I was to open up your Google search right now, what would be the last thing you searched? Ooh, let me check. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Google. Uh, paleontologist <laughs> didn't fucking see that one coming either. I was just writing a joke about uh, one of paleontology. my paleontology. Uh, well, one of my friends, no, she uh, she's an animator and she created the first gay dinosaur cartoon on TV. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I was just really proud of her, and, and now we know why they went extinct. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, turns out it wasn't the uh, big bang theory it was the gang bang theory that got them and uh <laughs> oh that's so I good just, i uh, actually because you always have a pretty good play on words i saw your uh post today about the police officers in the states that got fired for the sexual, <laughs> the sexual activities within the head police headquarters. They're gangbanging that one broad cop um, yeah. who was married, and she was just letting them run wild. And they all got, they all, the house of cards fell. And I said, finally, the sequel to Training Day. <laughs> That's so good, so good. Yeah. Okay, and finally, since we grew up in the '80s and the '90s, before really before the internet, before DVD, your favorite porn mag Ooh. hustler really hustler That's big swank guy myself big swank yeah <laughs> swank or high society was uh those were my go-tos swank was pretty expensive though swank was fucking expensive it was like 11 bucks man it was fucking hey, it'd break a guy Biggins. Yeah, Biggins. That's, uh, yeah, Al Bundy, your your boy, Al Bundy. (laughs) But uh, listen, we're going to wrap it up there. And thanks for coming on. That was a blast. That was a lot of fun. Tell the listeners, um, rhyme off off your social media stuff. Where can they find you? Where can can they look up some of your stuff? Yeah, sure. On Twitter, it's at Tyler Morrison one and Instagram at Tyler Morrison one, two, three. If you want to check out some of my comedy, you go on YouTube, uh, Tyler Morrison, Too Soon, my stand-up special. It's uh, available on there for free. You can check that out. And uh, I have a podcast. It's called Fight Stories. And uh, it's with my co-host, John Moses. That's all on YouTube and uh, also uh, anywhere where you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, all that. Season four going to be coming out, uh, you know, in the next year. We're working on on picking up all the episodes, so right on well listen again man thanks for doing this thanks for taking time out of your day we've been trying to get together for like a fucking year to do I know. this um but hey we're two good looking really busy guys so i mean that's it it just takes time. everyone wants a piece of our shit absolutely <laughs> so thanks again man that was awesome uh, uh yeah thanks for coming on 
Hey, thanks, buddy. Good to see you. You too. So there you have it, folks. Tyler Morrison live on the Cox Talks podcast. That was fun. Always, always fun getting together and chatting with Tyler. Um, when we were younger, when I first met him, met him at a buddy's cottage. And uh, yeah, we drank some beers. We had some fun. We made some prank calls. Uh, it was a good time. Good, good shit. So check out his stuff. Listen, you won't be disappointed. I posted just a couple short clips on the Instagram account there of his stuff. But uh, yeah, listen to his stuff. Check him out. If you have the chance to go see him at Yuck Yucks, I promise you will not be disappointed. Uh, that's for sure. So once again, that was fun. And once again, Tyler, uh, thanks, Unky TT. Thanks for coming on the old Cox Talks podcast there and uh, and giving us a laugh. Anyhow, that's it. That's going to do it uh, for this week's edition of the Cox Talks Podcast. One little favor for you, aside from the feedback that I asked you for at the start of the show. Um, if you listen to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you listen, if there is a spot where you can give a review, give me the five stars, the one star, the three stars, the brown star, whatever you want to give me, um, and, and leave a little review... Please go ahead and do that. It just kind of helps with like uh, podcast ratings and exposure and kind of all that jazz. So if you guys, you know, take 30 seconds and uh, go ahead and find somewhere where you can review the podcast and just throw a review out there. Um, and like I say, it just helps the podcast out in general. So um, and of course, as always, the biggest rule of listening to the Cox Talks podcast, tell your friends, tell your fucking friends about the Cox Talks podcast. That's it. That's all. Thanks for listening.